philanthropist, public speaker, and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. <laughs> I'm here with Lindsay. Is it Lindsay Wanda or Wanda? It Wanda? Wanda? It's Wanda, like wander around. Very fitting. Wander around. <laughs> plays with Lindsay. So Lindsay oh, yeah. and I have been uh, knocking back and forth on the internet land, seeking to set this up for two weeks, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, crazy yeah. work time right now. <laughs> yeah. Crazy time. I've also had, um, they've decided to rip up the floor in the hallway between the rooftops in my building. And they've literally been right over my, so I've had to cancel like five or six things. <laughs> Well, and then I had to cancel once because, I mean, my sister decided to go have her twins in the middle of all this, like a month and a half early. So, I mean, seriously, like I got things to do, lady. Who Um, are you to have a baby? (laughs) Yeah. I I actually need to be a bit more um, mindfully, wonderfully good karmically to people having babies at the moment because Olga's due in about eight weeks ish so oh nice yeah so i i need to like all the positive karma of people being nice to me okay uh, yeah so so. we won't we won't make fun of her for having her babies early no we will send her love and good vibes and all that yummy stuff but all the yummy stuff all the yummy stuff, but I'm very glad that we've got you here. So, uh, Lindsay was introduced to me by, uh, Jay Breezy. If you haven't heard the episode, go back and check out the episode with Jay Breezy, Justin, (laughs) (laughs) all about being a wackadoodle. Um, yeah, yeah, Jay Breezy's put me onto a couple of really, really cool peeps and Lindsay's one of them. So I'm really looking forward to getting to know a bit more about Lindsay as she wanders around the world doing educationally type stuff and let you guys tune in too and seeing how it can inspire you to do something more fabulous in the world. So Lindsay, without yes. further ado, or uh, waffling about small humans appearing and soon to be appeared, tell <laughs> us a bit about you, what you do and where you wander. Oh, wow. Where I wander. I don't know if we have time for all that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my mom blames my, uh, wanderlust, my travel bug on my last name. She, you know, any, anything to blame my dad. Right. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I actually, um, you know, way back, it seems like a long time ago, graduated, um, with degrees that were very heavy in math and science and, mm-hmm try to figure out what can I do with these degrees and also how can I travel the world for free? So I did a bunch of internships, both in the United States and and abroad to test out different fields, different career fields that I could potentially commit to with my degrees. And one of them was education. And I was hooked, instantly hooked, and actually went back to school to add a teaching credential to it and was a middle school STEM teacher in South Central for several years. So I was working with low-income schools, teaching them biology, math, a lot of technology. We did robotics, and it was just it was amazing. It was, it was magical what, what happened in that classroom. It was great. Um, but when I left California and moved to Chicago, I didn't find a school that afforded me that same freedom. So that's when I decided to go ahead and start tutoring full time. And it just blew up and grew into a company without me really even <laughs> planning on that happening, which tends to be kind of a pattern in my life. You know, you just wow. kind of take the path the way it takes you and it ends up right where I'm supposed to be. Okay, I need to know more about this wondering. Uh-huh. This wondering is very exciting to me. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. 
where are some of the most fabulous places that you've wandered to on this adventure? Oh my goodness. So I spent two summers uh, studying why there was a decline in marmots for those people who aren't sure what a marmot is. It's like a groundhog up in the Olympic National Park of Washington, which is wait, our wait, only wait, 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 rainforest. Wait, wait, okay, wait, what? Wait, where'd I lose you? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you literally were looking for groundhogs. Yeah. And we were, I mean, we were studying them. We had a surgeon come out. We would implant transmitters. We would see what their patterns were. We would collect genetic samples. But I mean, we were in the back country where no humans had ever been. It would take us two, three days to get there. And we'd be out there for a couple of weeks, you know, among the bears and the mountain lions and the glaciers. And this was and in it, which state again? In Washington State, the Olympic National Park, which is our only rainforest in the United States, actually. And if you haven't been there, you've got to go. I mean, it's... I'm, I'm kind of a brat when it comes to forests now because I grew up in California and then my first real forest I got to know was the rainforest in, in Washington. And now I'm like, yeah, nothing can beat that. It was, it was beautiful. Okay. So, <laughs> cause I wasn't sure if groundhogs were real. Oh, they are. They are. They sit on the tops of rocks and so they live in these Alpine meadows. They do the little shout, you know, one of them's on the lookout watching for anyone coming and they shout and everyone runs and hides in their burrows and they're really cute. They smell bad. Um, but, I'm sure that's yeah. an analogy for something else in life. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that's really, really cool. It was awesome. It was great. I mean, I look at it now, you know, I was 22, 23, 24 at the time, and there's no way at my age now I'm going to be sleeping on frozen ground, you mm-hmm. know, for two weeks at a time and bathing in glacier water. Like it wouldn't happen. So you, were, but you were like out there in oh, yeah. the jungle. We were out there because I mean, we were, we were following deer trails. I mean, it wasn't even trails. We were out there in the forests. Yeah. And hiking really high, the Olympic National Parks are formed by glaciers, so they're extremely steep. And the marmots decided they wanted to live at the very top of the mountains and the alpine meadows. So we would have to climb to get to them, often, you know, hands and feet to get up there with a 50-pound pack on our back. So it was a lot. Nothing I could do now. Now I'm a little, I like my shower and I like my bed. But um, I'm glad I did it, you know, when I was young and adventurous. Mm-hmm. But that was a fun one. And then, you know, I, I went abroad as well. I lived in Ireland for a while, picked up not knowing anyone and took an internship in Ireland to be an education, an environmental education officer for their largest outdoor center. So you weren't, looking, awesome. for, you weren't looking for um, leprechauns then? Yeah, and they are there. I mean, I will tell you, Ireland is, is, a, is a funny place. Um, you know, found, found some ciders along the way and, you know, a bunch of sheep. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting place. Um, had a lot of fun, for sure. But um, left there, ended up going to Thailand. I did some, you know, English teaching out there and just, mm-hmm. you know, use it as an excuse, basically, to travel Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend also if anyone, if you've never been. Um, Probably one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah. But if yeah, I hadn't ended been... up in Carbon, I would have ended up in I would have ended up in the islands. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just the people, the food, the you know, environment, everything. It's just it's it's life altering for sure. Um, and then just everywhere in between, kind of just been all over. <laughs> so a lot of different places. And it's funny, I'm in Chicago now. I've been here nine years, which is shocking to many. I ended up settling in a city. Um, and been here for this long, but you know, you know, with, even with all the adventures, I just, this this is a phenomenal city. Fabulous. Fabulous. Mm -hmm. I've actually been to Chicago three times, twice, three times, (laughs) twice, three times. Three times I've been to Chicago, nearly uh, forgot about that. Um, It's a 
it's a really pretty city. It is. They call it a city within a park. Um, yeah. Because it's of it. really, and that's, really pretty. Yeah. And, and people here are very proud. So they don't, you know, there's not a lot of graffiti. There's not trash on the ground. You know, no, people, it's really, really, really clean. Yeah. Really clean. Not very crowded because of the way they built the roads, you know, with the mm-hmm. layered um, streets. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it, I love it here. <laughs> not the winters, but I do all my traveling in the winters. Yeah, the I've, wandering I've, I've, hasn't I've, stopped. I've, 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 I touched it close to winter uh-huh. and I was like, yeah, not for me. I've been yeah. summer, spring, and close to winter. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really, I don't really rate it. Once upon a time, I nearly moved to Chicago, but that's a, oh, wow. that's a story for another time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so just, just a lot of fun adventures. And I mean, I always tell people, you know, when you can get, get out there and travel when you can, because there's so many things that, you know, I learned about in school that didn't really hit home until I actually experienced it firsthand. Mm. And you learn a lot about yourself and how to interact with other people. And you, you become really proud of who you are and where you came from by going to other places. Mm. Um, so it's just, you know, it's a really valuable learning experience for a lot of reasons. So I know in a lot of other countries, you know, students take those that gap year after high school before they plunge into college. And that's not super common here in the States. And I, I wish it was because there's so much to be gained. Is there anywhere that you travel to that you wished you'd maybe thought twice about traveling there or gathered the experience in a different country? Oh man, I'm going to make someone mad, aren't I? Um, I want to know. Honestly, I didn't love Ireland at all. <laughs> you didn't love Ireland? I didn't. I couldn't wait to leave. It was, you couldn't um, wait to leave Ireland? I know. It was rough. But you know what it is? I guess I can say, and I, I'm making a really big generalization here, so I'm going to make anyone upset, but um, I grew up in California where, yeah. and I was raised by hippies. So we're very open-minded and we're very accepting of who you are as long as you're being genuine. Yeah. to yourself. Mm-hmm. Ireland is an island and they have a lot of turmoil in their past and there's yeah. a lot of anger because of it and yeah. a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of generalizations and it comes out when that cider starts flowing, you know, and uh, I just didn't find the happy, you know, leprechauns that I expected. I got, you know, as the American that was there, um, I got attacked a lot for being American and wow. blamed for a lot of things. And, you know, this is not 24 hours a day, obviously, but there, for the most part, I didn't enjoy the people as much as I thought I would. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. I think it was just more of a shock for me. I'm just not used to being surrounded by, like, I guess you can say, like, kind of negativity like that. That's um, really, really constantly. interesting because I know yeah. Irish people to be really jolly, lovely people. But then yeah. again, I'm just coming from across the water, not so far away. Yeah. And I think it's a little different. I don't know. They just don't really love Americans. Um, so, which, you know, can be the case for several places on the globe um, where, you know, I'm just not as well received. I happened to be there during Bush's second term. Um, mm-hmm. So that might have had something to do with it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't my favorite place. I actually was supposed to be there for a year and I cut it short and went to Thailand. I would send all my winter clothes to Cal- back home to California and said, get wow. me to the tropics. <laughs> and that's when I went to Thailand. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe the gift of Ireland is that it took you to the beautiful place of the islands. Well, and not only that, I mean, I have um, friendships that I've, I built from there, you know, through all Mm -hmm. of it that we're still extremely close, their family. So, and I, and I don't regret it. I learned so much because I think that the Irish people 
as as much as you know it's novel for us to go back to oh cloth bags and organic farming they've mm-hmm. been doing it all along mm-hmm. so i mean they're definitely um there was a lot i learned about how to be more supportive of mother nature and our you know our earth that i was able to take into other jobs mm. wow <laughs> so we, we we made our way to ireland <laughs> To the islands, sorry, from Ireland. Uh, and then you came back to the States and then continued. And then, so was, was the, was the, I'm really fascinated by the Groundhog, Groundhog Adventure, by the way. Was that before or after the island and islands? So that was before. That was actually my first internship out of college um, was the groundhogs, the marmots. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I came back and did some more forestry work in the Sierra Nevada mountains where I was doing environmental ed and also um, just general forestry. Mm -hmm. And you'll probably like this one. This was a pretty cool job I had. We were um, Camp Edison practices, very sustainable forestry. Mm -hmm. So rather than clear cutting, they actually, we mark the trees or we do prescribed fires. Mm-hmm. So a couple of my jobs were going around with a drip torch and setting fire to the forest and then riding around in the quad and kind of checking and making sure everything was low burning and running along the lines we wow. wanted, which was maybe feel pretty cool. Um, or going around with a spray paint can and, and marking the trees that need to be cut down because they weren't native or they were suppressing the growth of other trees, but being very selective about it and nice. knowing exactly what I was looking at. So that, that was pretty cool too. You know, you hand someone a drip torch and a, and a spray paint bottle, you, you mm-hmm. feel pretty cool. That's really, really, really dope. <laughs> I think so too. So coming back to um, coming back to what you do now, um, you've taken all this experience, all this grooviness, and you've gathered it around teaching small humans how to be cool. Basically, I mean, I guess it's more about just teaching them to enjoy learning. You know, with with all of that. I was learning constantly and I loved it and it developed me into a, a more well-rounded person as a result. Mm-hmm. So just really, you know, trying to inspire them to follow their, their passions, their interests, and to just love, you know, have find joy in learning again. And what is it that you feel is the most yummy about that? You know, it's really tailored to the person. I think, and, and this happened to me, and I really make a point to make sure that this doesn't happen to our students. We're often kind of told, you know, oh, like for me, I was told I'm a math and a science person, so you should be an engineer. And I was kind of pushed into a career field that would make me money based off of things that I had uh, maybe a natural talent for, but it wasn't something I actually enjoyed. I didn't enjoy the lab work. I didn't enjoy, you know, I, I liked learning about the information, but I didn't enjoy actually doing it. And it wasn't until I made the risky decision to switch my major from cellular molecular biology to environmental sciences mm-hmm. um, and received backlash from family and other people about, wait, what? So you're not going to be an engineer. And then, gosh, imagine what it was like when I said, wait a minute, I'm actually going to go be a teacher now. Um, (laughs) There's, you know, a lot of, a lot of fear, a lot of doubt that people projected onto me, their own issues, but I knew to stay true to my own path and that it felt right for me because Mm -hmm. even at that age, I realized, you know, 
mathematically, you know, if your job is eight hours a day, you know, if you're not happy at your job, you're just not going to be a happy person. And I wanted to, you know, live successfully and not struggle, but I also wanted to be happy at my job. And that's definitely for me, you know, my mission now is to kind of help children figure out what their voice is and what their passions are and forge their own unique path that can lead them to a place of success. They, they can live successfully and well, but they're still enjoying what they do, despite what everyone around them might be encouraging them to do. You know, they're really sticking to their true selves. And that's a little bit of work. And, and you know, the, the modern school system kind of just throws kids in a room and says, learn this, do that. Here's how you do it. And doesn't really give a lot of opportunity for them to figure out who they are. And then all of a sudden they're 18 and have to choose a major that they want to, you know, have a career the rest of their lives. And it's just, it it doesn't add up. So Mm. I really use the opportunity, you know, they call us for help with a math class or prepping for the ACT or whatever it might be. I use it as an opportunity to help the children figure out who they authentically are and then guide them on the right path. Beautiful. So when you're um, when you're getting to do this, what is what are some of the things that you get to really enjoy witnessing in in these kids that you're working with? Because I'm sure there's some pretty epic experiences that you've had witnessing transformation with them coming into a love of learning. Yeah, you know I, I hear you hear children and you see it with adults as well, regurgitate what's been said to them. Mm. So I get a lot of, oh, I'm not good at math or Mm. I'm not great at writing or um, this was a dumb mistake or whatever it might be. And that's because it was probably said to them at some point. Mm. And I like to change that inner dialogue that they're having So helping them, you know, maybe, you know, you're quote unquote, not good at math, but you know, you just had a hard time with math. Now you're not great at it yet, but you will be, you know, it's doable. You're a smart kid kind of thing. Um, And this has even been the case. I've had adults who come to me who have had that dialogue themselves and just have this, like it often happens with math, you know, this hate relationship with math. And they come to me and after a few weeks, it's a, oh my gosh, I actually really like this. I'm really, you know, good at it. And it's pretty fun. So switching that, that dialogue that they've, they've been told that they've then internalized to a different messaging and, and seeing how transformative that is, is really amazing because if you can remove that roadblock and they can, they're empowered to, you know, by seeing that they can overcome that and change, you know, the way they perceive themselves and what they're capable of doing. It's like the sky's the limit from there, you know, and you just see them take off and they start to really come into a better understanding of who they are and what are their strengths and what are their areas that they need to work on. And they're committed to working on those areas because they know that they can succeed Mm -hmm. if they put their mind to it. And so it's just a really nice transformation. I also really love um, doing college essays with students. A lot of, of for that reason too. Why are we laughing? (laughs) You just revealed your nerdness and it's just so cool. Like, yeah, no, but I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a certified nerd. Yeah. I mean, you didn't, you didn't catch that when I told you I was studying marmots. Like, come on now. Don't let the drip torch in the spray can fool you. Like I was still out there doing forestry stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 
but it's, it's very, um, it's very therapeutic for the kids. It's really cool to see these, like, you know, these kids who come in, you know, like I had a kid this summer I was working on and, you know, let's take it to a dark place real quick. His, um, his dad passed away a couple of years ago and he's shut down and won't talk about it and mm. wrote a whole essay about playing guitar. And I was like, all right, well, this is cool. But, you know, have you thought about writing about your dad? And he said, mm-hmm. oh yeah, maybe. The next time I saw him, he had a beautiful essay about his dad that we worked on and fine tuned. And to the point that when I showed it to his mom, his mom said she cried and Mm. said that since then, he's just been a totally different kid. It's like a weight got lifted off his shoulders. And so there's, there's definitely a transformative aspect of that for them to reflect back on their past years and then to look ahead at where they're going and to connect the dots. And Mm. it helps them to really see who they are and what they can become. And it's, it's cool. It's really cool to see them transform in that way. That's beautiful. What's really coming through is that you're empowering these growing sprouting humans to not be to not have their relationship to their future dictated by other people's stories exactly you give and it shouldn't thing. be i mean it's your future and if how many adults listening now had their future dictated by someone in the past mm. and they're miserable with where they're at you know, they're in a job that they don't enjoy and they see, you know, they're not fulfilled in any way. Um, I see it all the time. And, you know, if you ask them, well, what did you want to be? You know, <laughs> it's something totally different, mm. but they went the path that someone else laid for them and they might be successful. They might be wealthy, but they're not happy. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I had a lot of, um, a lot of experience when I, when I first started doing coaching, a lot of the, the people I was initially coaching were, were people who had spent a life time building up an experience around what other people said they should be doing. And yeah. then they hit this brick wall where they're like, oh, well, I am miserable. And maybe they're turning to alcohol or they're turning to having an affair or having like a full out midlife crisis or they're going and buying a motorcycle and they're just all this stuff came up out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. And, and now they're going to decide what they want to do for themselves. Mm-hmm. But then they leave a wake of turmoil kind of behind them because mm. they found it so late. So, you know, my mission is to just really help them earlier in life because I, you know, if I had maybe went down the path that other people laid for me, I don't think I would be as excited to wake up and go to work as I am now. Mm. And I think a lot of people think that, you know, following your dreams they associate it with being like a starving artist, you know, like sitting in your apartment and that's not the case. You know, if if you really love what you're doing and are dedicated to it, you can make money doing it, you know, like it's going to happen because people are attracted to light and attracted to passion and excitement. And, you know, if they see that you are really dedicated to what it is that you've committed to doing, that's going to be appealing to them and the money will come. You know, that's a big part of that. Like the abundant, like some people get mad at me for for just talking about, you only talk about money. No, I'm talking about abundance and abundance is more than money. Yeah. But a bit challenging 
to consider, you know, abundance being something that you're experiencing when a big part of the equation, I don't know, paying your bills and so on and so forth isn't. Oh, yeah. Um, or, you know, you, you may have financial like money in the bank, but you, you don't have that quality of life. Just like you were saying, you don't have that fulfillment, you don't have the happiness. So a big part of my mission in empowering people to have the level of mastery in their life where they can choose what their state of financial abundance is, is that money isn't something that becomes a dictating factor in what you do with your life. Right. You know, if and you want to just go and play with mermaids all day, in the forest <laughs> do it and know that you can do it and that you're taken care of and all your needs are met um that makes me very happy i mean and personally i find that the less and you hear this in sales and a lot of things the less you focus on the money mm-hmm. the more it comes exactly you know you don't you just should never go after a client purely looking at it as a transactional relationship all about the money you're going to lose that client and that's really, you know, how it is with life too. You know, if you just are so focused on how much money am I going to get from this, people are going to sense that, you know, we're as humans, we're highly intuitive and people mm-hmm. are going to pick up on that energy and be very turned off by it. Mm-hmm. So, but what they're instead going to be attracted to is that passion and that enthusiasm and that genuine, you're being genuine and authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's what will bring in the clients and the money is, you know, following your passion. I agree. I agree. And yeah, it's a bit of a, I think so many people are used to being told that things have to be done a certain way or people are used to um, being told, you know, you have to follow this model, you have to follow that model, you have to go to school and you have to do this and you have to do that versus, hang on a minute, why don't we see what your relationship is with you and your world and work out a path for you that takes into consideration not just the money, but also the joy, also the fulfillment, also how you're adding to the world too. And to do it from an expansive place, because I find that whenever I witness people being caught up in that whole thing of making it quote unquote, just about the money, it's coming from a space of fear and lack. When you know that things are taken care of, you don't have that. Because some people are doing it because, you know, they have to pay the bills. You know, the, the kids haven't been fed or whatever, the mermaids uh, have run out of mermaid food. You know, I need to get paid because I've got things to take care of. But then that can become so front of mind that we forget about everything else, right? Yeah. Well, you know what I think is to blame for that and part of why I am seeing the silver lining in the pandemic, it, it really comes down to even how our educational system is because currently it's very adult-centered. It's very, you know here's what you're going to learn. Here's how you're going to learn it. Here's what you're going to do. And that's the way that children are being taught from a young age and how they become accustomed to living their life. And now that they're home and don't have, you know, that teacher standing over them, telling them what to do, they're lost. And, you know, I have parents all the time who are like, my child has no task initiation skills, has no, you know, time management skills or whatever it might be because they've never had to. They've always had someone telling them, this is what you do and this is when you do it. And that dictates, you know, how they choose their career path or what college they go to or whether they, you know, go to a college at all, whatever it might be. And I really think that, you know, we're being afforded a a really unique opportunity here to reimagine how we educate our youth to make it more student-centered, to make it more 
in tune with their interests before we extinguish that flame. Because these kids have this, these natural curiosity and these natural, you know, inclinations towards certain things. And by us trying to get them to experience so many other things and do things the right way, we actually extinguish that flame. And so there's a way to do both to get them to learn the skills that are important, Mm -hmm. but also to still stick with what their interests are, or just at least give them opportunities to explore their interests, not just things that we think they should be doing. And it does, yeah, it does take some, you know, rethinking of our education system. It's doable. I did it in a classroom of 45 in South Central, and it was very Mm -hmm. successful. So it's doable. Um, But it does require us to reevaluate, you know, what we're doing with our kids and getting them to think more for themselves and be more able, you know, better able at advocating for themselves. And then, you know, people who advocate for themselves start advocating for others. And now we just end up having this ripple effect of societal improvement because people are motivated to do so. But it really does start with how we're educating them. I love that. I love that. I know this is a bit of a rabbit hole, but I do want to touch on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a marmot hole. Yeah, we're going to be mermaid holding this. Um, This, in fact, I'm going to tell Duncan to call this one uh, "Down the Mermaid Hole" with Lindsay. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So, Duncan, you have it. Um, What about the idea that education was actually just preparing people to be worker bees, and that they weren't, you know, they don't want necessarily for people to have that independence as they're going through the standard public school system because you're just really being prepared to be a part of the working class have you had any thought about that yeah i can see i can see where that maybe would have been true when schools first originated we're not talking you know 30 40 years ago when we moved from the one-room schoolhouses maybe even more than that 50 years Mm -hmm. ago whatever it might be but I think that now, and I'm just speaking again, I've been in the classroom, I've been among teachers, I've been at many different schools and different school districts. I think now we have a lot of very innovative teachers who are doing amazing things in areas that some people might think it would be impossible to do that. And I mean, the kids we were working with in South Central, you know, we were given full freedom. We were given, you know, we had full trust of our administrators to work with these kids and they were scoring higher than the Beverly Hills kids on standardized tests. Yet we were not standardized test focused in our instruction. We never did any test prep with them. Um, We did a lot more computers and reading and music and STEM and just got them excited about learning in general and, you know, creative problem solving and innovation and all of that. So I do think there's a shift in a lot of the new instructors who are coming out and maybe even some of the instructors who've been at it for a while who are wise and knowing what's, what's really going on. And I see a lot of parents, you know, our, our society is really driven by entrepreneurs. It's going to be, you know, rescued by entrepreneurs from what's going on now. And those, those people have children and they want their children to have an entrepreneurial mindset as well. And so you see these schools popping up that are very projects-based and, you know, student-centered and they're very popular. So I do see a shift and this, this situation, the pandemic is drawing even more attention to that where a lot of parents are realizing, I've been handing my kid off to the school thinking they were learning these skills and they're not, and I'm not happy, <laughs> you know? And I'm really, I'm trying to empower these parents. Like your voice is heard, you know, they don't really listen to us teachers, but they will listen to <laughs> parents. <laughs> they do. It's true. So get in there and say, I'm not happy and things are going to change. And, 
you know, I, I can see where that was the case before this, you know, kind of creating workhorses and just kind of getting them all to be the same conformist idea, but that's actually holding our society back. And I do think that we're seeing that now. We need the innovators. We need the, you know, creative thinkers to bring us, you know, if I even want to break it down to America, to bring America to the forefront of, you know, innovation and development and progress. We have to get beyond just creating workhorses. I'm with you. What are some some tips that um, any parents or caregivers can take from your experience and start bringing some of this fire that you've been sharing in the in the classrooms and with the students you're working with um, themselves? What's what's some 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 hacks, some tips, some golden nuggets? What's some magic you can share with them to to take? Oh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> one thing I would say that I think we do as a society that we should really work on with this next generation is we we tend to want to protect the people we love from any kind of pain or suffering or difficulty. And what we do with our children is we we put them in environments or we created a world around them where they don't have to struggle. And if they do struggle, we have a solution for it. You know, we work our way through it, which is good at the time, but there's so much to be gained from struggle. Um, Any entrepreneurs listening can attest that it's those lows in your business that teach you and you learn from and you actually grow from. And, you know, even in life, we can all think of times where we went through something difficult and we coped with it and came out of it better than we went into it. And so I think one big piece of advice I would, I would suggest for parents and educators is when you see a student struggling, whether it's with academics or even something emotional, to provide support for them, but not in, in, the, in the mode of fix it. Don't, don't try to fix it for them. Be there just someone for them to talk to, someone for them to have by their side, but let them actually work through it. You know, identify what emotions they're feeling, identify what is the struggle they're going through, and then come up with solutions for how to not bury it, but to actually work through it. And then when they do come out the other side, give them opportunities to reflect. What was it that worked? What didn't work? Next time you encounter a situation like this, how can you, you know, be prepared for it? These are the skills that will help them later in life. The next time they face a bigger challenge than, you know, a project deadline. Those are baby challenges, you know? (laughs) So giving them the skills they have now as a kid, it just makes them better equipped as an adult to be, you know, much more resilient and to have the coping mechanisms to really overcome anything that's thrown at them. And that, that's, that's a really good way to get your kid to be very strong, strong in, you know, not just heart, but, you know, in mind and, and, and be able to overcome anything. Empowering them to be ready to pop down the mermaid hole. (laughs) And then there's that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. I mean, you know, what what you do say, and that kind of leads me to another point, you know, by, by allowing them to struggle and then come out of it the other side, you find that they're, they'll take more risks the next Mm. time, you know, and, and that, it sounds bad to encourage a child to take risks. So if they take risks and they're learning, Mm. 
that's great. You know, like if you have a problem in front of you, rather than just saying, I don't know it mm-hmm. to go, mm, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to figure this out. Um, or whatever it might be, you know, if you don't know the answer is something to actually try to figure it out yourself, that's a risk. Um, but those are, that, that's great. You know, it opens up new places for that. Me moving across the country was a risk, you know, and, and it took me to a perfect, you know, pathway that I needed to flow down. So it's, it's good to, empower them with the skills to know that no matter what happens then they're going to be okay then they're more likely to take those risks that can lead them down some really unique paths so again just empowering them to not come from a place of fear mm-hmm. yeah you're right and then imagine yeah. that you know then how, who else can they empower because they're not projecting their fears onto them when someone else has an idea of doing something you know because really when when people uh, you know, with me, when I changed my my career path from uh, a biomedical engineer to a teacher, I had a lot of people who projected their fears on me of, mm. is she going to make enough money? Is there going to be enough stability? Whatever it mm-hmm. might be. But it was from a place of love, but that was their fears, their issues. Yeah. And so if we can get people to not come from a place of fear and instead they could react to me with encouragement or whoever it is, you know, with encouragement, you know, that has a ripple effect and, and, and it just continues spreading out. Amazing. Lindsay, it's been a pretty bloody fab hanging out today, <laughs> learning about merits and how fun, how much fun you had with um, blow torches and other such. Implements. We went to blow torches. What am I in the circus? <laughs> yeah, not blow torches, but that, maybe, maybe that'll be next. You never know. That's one way to get kids to pay attention. I get, just made bring it in a, a blow torch. It, actually. <laughs> um, but definitely learn about mermits, uh, rainforests, and what it's like being in the jungles of North America. Um, <laughs> really excited to, uh, to continue following your journey. How can people um, get up to date with what you're doing and, be a part of the movement, maybe find out if there's any way that they can even have you bring in some of your magic into their kids' lives. Oh, yeah, we love that. So the best place to start would be the website. Um, it's worldwisetutoring.com with an S, nice. worldwise. That's where you'll see all our services. I also, you know, in, in light of everything that's going on with the pandemic, have started to put the practices that we do with our students into easy to implement strategies for parents and educators. So if anyone wants to take a stab at it on their own, um, I have some good advice there for them. Um, I also am on all social media. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, everywhere. And even on Facebook, I have a Facebook group that's geared towards parents and educators called Positivity for Parents, Educators, and Students. And that's just another place where I'm really trying to dilute down to daily tips and resources to help parents manage these difficult times. Because I mean, there's a lot of things that sounds really complicated, but there's mm-hmm. a lot that's, that's pretty simple to do on your own that would have huge changes on children. Um, just changing the way you talk to them or the opportunities you provide to them. So I, I have that, you know, broken down into the Facebook group as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I definitely, um, I'm feeling different about (laughs) education, its role and the importance of just tooling up our our sprocklets so that they're ready to deal with the world. So um, you've got a fan here. Uh, Guys, be sure to go to worldwisetutoring.com. Did I get it right? You did. Good job. (laughs) Um, 
we'll pop everything in the show notes. Duncan's amazing at that. He'll make sure we've got everything in the show notes and do some social media ring. I will definitely, I'll, I'll add you on the gram too. And that's the most, most active gram and twits. So I'll get you followed. Um, peeps, have you got someone in your world that has sproglets that could be afforded some leveling up in their experience with ed- education? Perhaps, you know, a child that's maybe not, thriving as much as they could by virtue of the fact that maybe they've been given a way of education that doesn't align with them. Maybe Lindsay and her crew can help you to be sure to check them out and share this with someone else for whom a light could be brought into their life also. And for whom small children may like to learn about mermits and other such um, (laughs) creatively named animals. It's been an absolute pleasure sharing this episode with you. Please again, serious guys, I mean it find someone who will be served by this and share it. I'm really excited about following this journey. And also as my small humans grow, seeing how I can start implementing some of this into their lives. So peeps until next time, um, join me in wishing gratitude to Lindsay for all she's doing. Keep dreaming with your eyes open. Remember that you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose driven life. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel.